Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be thrown into encyclophoria if I saw that you missed this week's show. Mr. Wake Up Excited, Go to Bed Fulfilled returns. I had to have Eric Saperston back. After the October 17, 2022 show with him, I got more positive comments than I remember for any guest. This time around, he shares how important nonprofit volunteering has been in his life, the joy he gets from coaching, what he's learned from his series, Three Things, and more. On Tony's Take Two, guilt. Here is... Mr. Wake Up Excited, Go to Bed Fulfilled, returns. What a pleasure to welcome back Eric Saperston to Nonprofit Radio. There were so many comments the last time he was here, just a couple of months ago, that uh, I had to have him back. Uh, He's in such high demand, though, that I couldn't get him back as soon as I wanted him back. But uh, he's very gracious, and uh, he is back, and I'm, I'm very glad. He's Eric Saperston. He wants to know if you're waking up excited and going to bed fulfilled. He's successful meeting magazine's top keynote speaker, executive leadership and communication coach, director of the award-winning film, The Journey, which is in my carefully curated DVD collection. I don't just let any movie in there. He's author of the best-selling book, Live in Wonder. He's host of the hit series, Three Things, which we're going to talk about. And you'll find him all at ericsaperston.com. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, Tony, such a treat to be back. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you are. I know our listeners are. Uh, folks Folks loved your, your appearance a couple months ago and uh, had to have you back to talk a little more. Uh, aloha. You mind just reminding folks you're uh, you're in Hawaii on a farm. Where where in Hawaii? Uh, I live in Maui, uh, Hawaii, and uh, I live. Um, I like to tell people I live in the where, where the Garden of Eden meets Willy Wonka. And how, why is that? Was the Willy Wonka? Uh, part? Well, I live in the most remote part uh, of Maui uh, on a hundred and eighty acre organic farm with uh just uh it's a food forest essentially so we can walk around and there's papayas and there's mangoes and there's lychee and there's ramadan and there's coconuts and there's just (laughs) so much food and so it's it's like the garden of eden we you know we have waterfalls and then and then we can walk around and 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 pick something right off the tree and it's like wow these snozberries take like taste like snozberries and it's just it's just (laughs) you know that's that's the willy wonka part it's just being able to walk around and uh and just pick incredible unique fruit right off the right off the land and and put it in your mouth and it's just it's magical all right uh i'm i'm visiting i'm visiting uh let's start off with what we uh wrapped up with the last time we did we uh we were talking about uh your 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 um three things your three things series where's that stand what's going on with that you know thank you for asking you know the three things has been a a, a, a real um 
uh, I guess I would say my new journey, my first journey was, you know, bridging a gap between young people and elders and calling up really wise people when I was in my 20s and that led my 30s. And then now I've been thinking about, uh, well, I guess this is a kind of a funny story. When I was on the Today Show uh, promoting my movie, uh, yeah, he drops playing the, in New York. He drops, <laughs> he drops. When I was on the Today Show and then there was Good Morning I, America. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, then there was the, and then it was Morning Joe. And of course, I did uh, I did Rachel. You know, he just Rachel. I did Rachel. I did Lawrence, you know. Yes. Uh, well, I was just saying when I was on the Today Show and uh, my parents uh, had watched the segment and my father had said, uh, you know, it seemed like you were on there for a long time. You know, that was a, that was a pretty long segment. How long were you on there? And I said I was on there, I think, six minutes in total. And my dad said, oh, you better start thinking about how you want to spend your other nine minutes of your 15 minutes of fame. And so I've been thinking about those nine minutes uh, a lot. And uh, that is the the, uh, the the evolution of the or I guess the the opportunity for me to 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 step out again into the uh, international stage here is. Um, three things. And it's been so fun. We started off. It's been an organic process. So I think I started three things maybe 11 years ago where I started interviewing people, um, strangers and walking around and we'd travel all around the world. And I'd walk up to strangers on a street corner and just say, excuse me, can I come up and talk to you? And uh, that was always really exciting just to walk up to strangers and, uh, and see if we couldn't uh, befriend them. And then some people would be a no. Many people were yeses. And then we'd, we'd put a camera on them and I'd ask them a series of questions that were three things questions. At that time, it was really centered around uh, what are three things your father taught you or what are three things your mother taught you or what are three things that uh, you'd share with your younger self or uh, what are three things you've learned about um, communication or just r random questions that I would ask people and they would drop in and share these really poignant heartfelt uh we were we were we were doing it before humans of new york but it was very much mm -hmm. like that idea of just dropping into uh, the humanity of people and that what we did we've got uh we've got thousands of interviews and i think we're going to turn that into an art exhibit an interactive art exhibit at some point uh and then that evolved into uh we had a wonder summit uh, in San Diego, where we brought 65 people from around uh, the world to come together for this uh, weekend party, which was to cause, create, ignite more wonder in each other's lives. And as an opening for that experience, we we had all our friends. We took three things questions and we put them in a little hat and we had everybody pick a three things question out of the hat. And uh, and then as a as a as an exercise for the for the weekend, everybody was was charged with the uh, opportunity to go talk to everyone at the event and ask them their three things question. Hmm. So if your question was, what are what are three things you've learned from making mistakes? Uh, and my question could be, what are three things uh, I've learned about uh, getting lost? Uh, and then I'd go ask everybody my question. You'd go ask everybody your question throughout the entire weekend. And then at the end, we had a closing circle and then everybody got a chance to share what their question was 
and what they learned from asking uh, 65 people. Uh, and, and it was phenomenal. Everybody gave many TED talks about leadership, communication, intimacy, relationships, and everybody got to share because they got to pull all these, the collective wisdom of everybody that was there and then share the commonalities, which was phenomenal. And then um, uh, the pandemic happened and I was just prior to the pandemic, I was working on a series called uh, Legends by the Fire, where I was interviewing iconic legends uh, by a campfire. We had interviewed uh, Steven Tyler uh, from Aerosmith and Weird Al Yankovic, uh, who just got it uh, was got a movie out that's uh, doing really well. Uh, and we interviewed Kenny Rogers. I, I'm a big music guy. So we interviewed these guys as pilots as essentially before Kenny died. And it was awesome. And then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, you know, that that idea kind of fizzled on the on the on, uh, fizzled out. And then Zoom happened, as you know, and with Zoom technology, it was incredible. I can zoom out and speak to people all around the world. And so I just pivoted and started calling up really extraordinary visionaries and pioneers and champions of industry and asking them a three things question. So we've created a series that's really designed to extrapolate wisdom quickly from extraordinary people. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been phenomenal. We've interviewed so many incredible people and we're, we're, we're coming out with our first season at the end of this quarter. What, what's a, uh, what, what's a, 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 a Saperston takeaway from all these thousands of three question interviews? What, what, what have you what have you gleaned about strangers? You know, I, you know it's so fun. I, I one I, I I'm an optimist and I'm able to talk to people and just reassure them create a safe space. Are you, I got to ask, uh, we, are, are, are you, are you optimistic at the beginning of every new year? You know, I'm optimistic every day. Okay. The new, uh, the new year, the new year doesn't really matter to me much. I, you know, I'm not a new year guy. I'm not a holiday guy. I'm not, I'm not to me every day. And I know it may, it may sound like a platitude, but I, you know, I grew up, my father, my father had a stroke when he was 28. Yes. And he was he, he yeah, he was the main breadwinner in my family and a superstar. And when when he lost his ability to to be himself in the way he envisioned himself to be and became bitter and angry, it just as a, as a child growing up in that environment, it just it taught me to live every day like it's my last. And so I've yeah. just I've been doing that for so long. Um yeah, I, I think that's that's a big part of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. And I think one of the I guess what, what have I learned from asking people three things, questions? I, I, I think as a guy who has been a, a professional interviewer and, and has, has has conducted thousands of interviews I, at the beginning, I would write really elaborate uh, questions. Uh, paragraphs and then sit or stand in front of somebody and read the paragraph. And by the time I'd read it, I mean, everybody was lost and forgot what the question was. And so I learned right away that uh, brevity is great. And then I started uh, uh, writing tighter questions. And then, um, then I realized that by asking a single open-ended question, I would only get so much information it was like, what's one thing you've learned about leadership or what's one thing you've learned about communication? And then people would share. And that was really cool. 
but it would it would it would meander on and it was very hard to follow sometimes the plot. And by asking people a three things question, it adheres to the basic tenets of storytelling. It has a setup, a conflict, a resolution, a beginning, middle and an end. Mm -hmm. So what I realized by asking people three things questions, it really makes all of us sound smarter because we're able to consolidate our ideas in a very powerful form that is universally gettable. Can you share something, uh, I don't know, shocking, most interesting, uh, that uh, clever that, that you heard from all these thousands of folks? I love the idea of just talking to strangers. What? Strangers are my my favorite. I mean, it's strangers is that, 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 you know, there's a, there's. Um, I guess the big takeaway for straight, I'll do two. I'll strangers and then I'll talk about one of my latest three things, interviews with with legends that um, the thing about strangers is that I at the very core essence, I think of who we are as humans, I, we want to relate. We're relating creatures and. It, we're just waiting for somebody to to create the right container for us to share our heart with one another. And I, and I really believe that. So I would walk up to some of the coldest or tightest or frustrated people. And I'd also walk up to some of the most joyous and bubbly people and both categories of folks just when given the chance to really ask a sincere, earnest question and because I genuinely want to learn from this person, all the 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 societal fear kind of melts away quickly and people drop in. And it was incredible to watch people who that I've never met all of a sudden just start crying or tear up or be emotional about something. And it's it's like um it's like medicine, I guess, in, in a way, good medicine. I would walk by somebody and just be able to ask them question that felt like they were waiting their whole life for somebody to ask them. And then they would just jump in and deliver something that was poetic and impactful. Um, share uh, so one the, of those. The, the, share, share something. I interviewed uh, this elder man um, that uh, that was at a mechanic shop. And uh, and I said, what are three things uh, that inspire you to live in wonder? And um, the first one he said was childbirth. Uh, the second one is that he was in the back of his car with his daughter, driving the car with his daughter, and his daughter went into labor. Uh, and then he had to stop the car and deliver the baby in the back of the car, which was really incredible. And then, then he said family. And then he started to break down and cry because he and that daughter were estranged and they haven't been speaking in years. Yeah. And then, then as this really amazing masculine man, just, he cried. And then you could just see on camera, he was just swallowing that pain and then just holding himself back into his body. And then uh, saying, those are my three things. It just got back into composure, but it was it was like in the moment watching it, it was we, we call it an emotional birth. 
burp. It just, it just, it popped up without like, it just, it, 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 it bubbled up out of him and he couldn't control it. It was just a moment in time. And we've had many of those. So that was, that was extraordinary. My right now, one of, one of my interview guests, uh, Pat Simmons uh, is out on the, he's, he's the, he's in the band called the Doobie brothers. And uh, they just got inducted into the music hall. All of fame. Uh, they're out on their 50th anniversary tour, selling out venues all around the world. Uh, they're, they're incredible. He's he's the guy that wrote the song. Oh, black water. Keep on rolling. Yeah. Mississippi moon. Won't you keep on shining. Right. He's awesome. And I I interviewed him and I said, uh, Pat, what are three things you've learned about songwriting? And he said, well, number one. Keep it simple. Number two, write about what you know, your own experience. And three, don't bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought, man, that's such a good lesson for all of us in uh, communication and leadership and all that is, man, just, you know, keep it simple, talk about what you know. And uh, don't bore us. Get to the point. How about um, your uh, your speaking? You do a lot of you do a lot of keynoting and other other types of speaking. What um, what 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 do you love? What do you love about that kind of work? Talking to big audiences. You know what I like about talking to big audiences is, is well first it's I, I i hold speaking with such reverence you know got, you know even you and i right now i feel like the way i visualize what we're doing is you and i are in a teepee right here there's a fire between us and uh, you're a chief and i'm a chief and and you have the talking stick and then you graciously give me the talking stick and we pass the talking stick back and forth and and i i i, I whenever i'm invited to give us speech in front of a big audience, I feel like it is such an honor I mean, to, to, to be given the talking stick and to, to be given time. I think that's probably another thing that I value so much is that the one thing uh, that uh, after interviewing thousands of, of really successful, extraordinary people, the one thing we don't have enough of is time. And we're all fighting that clock. And so I, I'm just so committed to not not wasting people's time. And so when somebody says, hey, I want you to come and give a speech in front of an audience, it's, it's a huge responsibility to make sure that I'm providing value because people are giving me their time. It's a big, 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 um, a big request. So getting in front of an audience like that, I find um, uh, intimidating, uh, exhilarating. Um, I, I still get nervous uh, backstage and then um, I walk out there and and feel like, you know, all the people that I've met interviewed, you know, Jimmy Carter, Billy Crystal, Henry Winkler, uh, Jack Canfield, Maya Angelou, uh, on and on and on, that I feel like what gets me out there in front of all those people is I, I just visualize all these people that gave me their time knowing how precious time is. They, they gave me their time and shared their life lessons and their wisdom. And then I feel like uh, I'm a conduit. Uh, I get bridge the gap. I get to, I get to share all this wisdom that I've learned uh, with an audience to help them on their journey. And 
And I think that's what pushes and drives me to do that. It's time for Tony's Take Two. I saw on Twitter, the average attention span is nine seconds. And I thought, that's enough time for my mother to create guilt. I'm coming over for dinner. Can't you stay for the night? I'm coming to stay for the night. Can't you stay for the weekend? I'm coming to stay for the weekend. Take me on a cruise. I'm taking you on a cruise. Can't you move back home? I'm moving back home. Let's get cemetery plots. I've been doing that bit recently to open webinars. And I thought I would share it with you. It's that simple. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku, but loads more time for Mr. Wake Up Excited, Go to Bed Fulfilled returns with Eric Saperston. So you're at both ends of the spectrum. You talk to individuals, strangers alone, and you talk to big audiences, I don't know, thousands, I guess, hundreds at least, right? Thousands of thousands of folks. You're you're comfortable in both. You um you play that music. That was what that was what that was one of my visions when I was in when I was growing up. I just I I always thought that that one of the things that I wanted to be in my life and thought that this would bring my life joy and opportunity and adventure was to be the kind of person uh, who can talk to everyone. That uh, that to me was really important. I remember uh, uh, watching the movie and reading the book Willy Wonka. And there was, for some reason, it's a very small detail, but it caught my attention as a child. And that was the Wonka elevator. And when Charlie gets in the elevator with Willy Wonka and, and he says, push any button. And because what's magical about this elevator is that it doesn't go up and down. It goes anywhere you want to push it. So you can push any button. It'll take you there. And I remembered that metaphor and I thought communication and language is so important and talking to people is is a portal into everywhere. And so if I can talk to people on the street that are strangers. I can talk to presidents of the United States. I can talk to rock stars. I can talk to people who are in the kitchen uh, washing the dishes. The more people that I can talk to, the, the, the more fulfilling my life is. Uh, and and that's been true for me. I've, I've really enjoyed meeting all kinds of people and they bring such uh, uh, laughter and levity in life uh, to, to, to my journey. I'm so grateful for that skill. And I, I wish everybody had that. I want everyone to have that skill where we, we remember that we're relationship oriented and to, to, to risk talking to another uh, because you never know where that conversation is going to take you. We're relationship oriented. Yes. Treating people like a simple golden rule. A lot of times it sounds cliche, but, you know, to treat people like you'd like to be treated, you'd like to have them treat you. But uh, I see it lacking in so many corners of our culture that I don't think it is. It's not cliche. I think it's 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 relevant. Um, relationship. You know, I just interviewed. I just interviewed a um, uh, a hospice nurse, and it was phenomenal talking to him. 
And one of the things about a hospice nurse is job is to help shepherd people, you know, that are dying uh, uh, to the next next place, you know, and and, and help the families to do it, help all of it. Yeah. And and it was really cool. I said, what's the greatest lesson? You know, I, I'd ask them the three things questions and I'm right now. I'm not think I can't remember the first two, but I, I remember the third point, And that was. That uh, he was saying that. That the golden rule. He said was a rule that he believes is outdated. And I thought, whoa, that's pretty strong statement. The, mm. the golden rule of studying world religions, every world religion has some version of the golden rule written in their sacred transcripts. That is, you know, do unto others as you would like done unto you. And that's been a big guiding principle that many of us have been taught throughout our lives. And it's it's a it's a great guiding principle. And he was saying that it's outdated and even assumptive. And I thought, wow, this is bold. What do you mean by that? And he said, look, I'm here uh, helping people that are dying. And if I do onto them as I would like done onto me, I, I might put a pillow underneath their knees or I might grab a cloth and put it on their head because I think, wow, this is what I would want. I'd want a, you know, a, a cold cloth on my forehead. And what he's learned is what he's calling the platinum rule, which is to do unto others is they would like done unto them. That way it's not presumptive. It's not a, it's not, it's not me thinking I know what's best for you. It's me actually taking time to check in with you and say, Hey, how can I be of service to you? And then offer that value. I thought that was really insightful. It so is. given, it given, yeah. given no, no rule where there's takers and people that are not cool. Okay. I like having the golden rule uh, as a, as a good guidepost. And then I think uh, if we're thinking about advanced leadership and communication skills, I like this idea of the platinum road uh, doing onto others as they would like done onto them. I think that if we get more into that uh, realm, uh, then we're really uh, uh, building a very uh, cooperative and caring society. Are you a musician, Eric? You play an instrument? I do. I what? love music. What? What do you play? Uh, you know, I, 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 I play, uh, I play the guitar, the, the drums, uh, uh, the shaker. Uh, I always thought it'd be fun. I, you know, all these cool people start, all my friends that are rock stars, you know, they're, they're a lead guitarist and they start a band or they could even be the bass player and start the band. Uh, maybe even a drummer that starts the band. But I always thought I wanted to be the guy that started a band being the egg shaker. I always thought that'd be a, that I thought that'd be a fun way to start a band. What do you do? I'm the egg shaker. Is the is the shaker? Is that the is that the instrument that's wood and has all the beads around it? Is that the shaker? Yeah, there's so many different. Yeah, there's so so many different okay. versions. You know, I just hold it there a little closer. Hold it closer to the mic when you play your shaker. Oh, you want it? Yeah. Like that. That's a shake. Is your uh, guitar very far away? Yeah, that's not near me at this moment. Oh, but it's so fun. Music, you know, I, you know, one thing, I, I, one thing about music is, it, it really is the universal language. As a guy that studies language and and wants to connect with people, uh, it's, it's. We were in Morocco and uh, just rolled up in the in the sooks there, and some Moroccan guys playing. 
uh, guitar and and singing, which I, you know I don't even know what he's singing. And uh, uh, my you know Sarah and I are walking by, and I have a shaker in my bag, and all of a sudden just stop, get next to him, and start shaking. And all, all of a sudden there's a crowd of people, and we're making music together and smiling and laughing and hugging and. And it's just it's it really is. It's uh, I think the two universal uh, most powerful things we we can do is smile. I think smiling is a universal language that uh, transcends everything and, and and welcomes people in. And I think uh, singing and playing music is another one that just uh, creates community instantly. You know what I love about smiles, even through the pandemic, when everybody was masked, you could tell if somebody was smiling at you. Uh, yeah, by the eyes, the little crinkle Absolutely. in the eye. Yeah, the eyes a get a little squinty, and you could just and the maybe they they wrinkle a little bit around their temples, and the, the the face exposed enough of the smile around the around the mask that you could tell when people were smiling at you. I always liked that. Uh, me too. That's a sweet uh, visual. You've done some work with nonprofits for nonprofits. What? Uh, What's what's been the impact of that work on uh, you? You know, I've been on you, on, on you, not on the nonprofits, on 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 Eric. Oh, on me. I, you know, I started so young. Uh, I'm really grateful for my family having a value of service. And yeah, I started really young volunteering for camp and then volunteered for the uh, Special Olympics, being a coach. And then when I was in college, ran the volunteer center, got invited to carry the Olympic torch, uh, ended up becoming a, a VISTA volunteer, which is like a current AmeriCorps volunteer. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think the the big takeaway for volunteerism for me is that beautiful adage. Uh, today, I met a man who had no shoes and he complained until he met a man who had no feet. And I think that has been such an impact for me that just being in the volunteer community uh, it, it works on so many cylinders, you know, to, to be of service, to make a difference, to remember how grateful I am for my life uh, and all the blessings that I have. Um, it's, 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 it's meaningful work. It's just, it feels so meaningful. And, um, you know, that's a big thing I, I learn on the farm. Uh, the farm culture is, is uh, you know, we always talk about the difference between consuming and contributing you know that's a great question to ask are, are we consuming more than we're contributing and we've become a very consuming culture give me give me take i want i need this is my right this is and and all that is is it doesn't bring us closer and it doesn't build um cooperation or inspire civility it's 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 the opposite and i think if we walk around in our lives uh, showing up anywhere in our lives and ask ourselves this question how can i help and that uh is is just a beautiful question just to ask how can i help how can i help in this moment how can i help in this moment how can i help in this moment and to be people that are of service 
uh, always. So I, I, for me, I think probably now I, I've conflated. Vol- I, I don't see myself volunteering anymore. I don't. I just see myself being of service everywhere I can. You do a lot of uh, executive coaching too. And so how do you uh, how do you see yourself uh, uh, in service to to those folks? You know, my executive coaching career started uh, with a not. I was studying speech communication in college and emphasis on leadership. And one of my uh, assignments early was uh, I had I had worked with the United Way in San Diego at the time. And the CEO, the guy was running the United Way there in San Diego. Uh, I had offered uh, as one of my thesis papers to do a communication audit with him. And that was the beginning of my journey where I went in and I interviewed and studied the CEO and asked him what was his mission, what was his vision, what are his guiding principles, what are his commitments, what are his values, and then identified essentially what his um, rudder was to his boat. Uh, and and what his his what 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 pushes and what pushed and drove him to be who he was? What was the sum total of his character? And then we figured that out. And then I created a survey that would then go test who he says he was. Like to, the, the the assignment for me is to to make sure that what we're saying and who we're being is in alignment. And so I got a chance to go interview his wife go interview his colleagues, go interview people on the board, go interview his son, and then be able to go check in and go, okay, this is what this person says they value. And then what's the experience that people who are in that person's life have of them and is what they're saying about who they are in alignment with what people's experience of them are. And it was absolutely fascinating to be able to go come back and report back to this person the blind spots in their life. That's one of the things that I've learned so much by talking to wise people is that there is what we know, there's what we don't know, and then there's what we don't know. We don't even know it because we don't even know it. And it's that blind spot that we don't know is the thing that will trip us prevent us from getting the promotion. We'll, we'll have the husband or wife wake up one morning and say, I'm leaving. It's, it's just, it's the part of us that we just, I, I can't see who I am to you. I can only, I, I've got my own perception of who I am. I've got my values. I've got my principles. I think I'm being this particular way. I convince myself I'm being this particular way. And then I walk through the world. And if, if I, the only way for me to get access to this quadrant of what I don't know, I don't even know, I don't even know it is to be able to, to, to ask others to contribute. And, um, that reminds me of one of my early interviews with the president of Coca-Cola, Donald Keough, who and I, you know, the most powerful CEO in the world uh, with the most recognizable brand in the world. And I had asked him uh, what separates those who achieve from those who do not. And uh, uh, he said what separates those who achieve from those who do not is in direct proportion to one's ability to ask others for help. And I've always thought that was just so significant. We're a culture that that is afraid to ask for help, or we think asking for help is a sign of weakness and it's actually a sign of strength. And this exercise is asking the people in our lives for help 
to give us feedback on the, what, what's their experience of me. I know that, you know, with my romantic partner, Sarah, you know, um, I, I, I can tell her all day long. I love you. 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 But it doesn't really matter that I'm telling her I love her. What matters is what's her experience of me and is her experience of being loved by me. And that's what this exercise does is it gets, it taps into the experience that other people have, not just what I believe it is. And so these, that was the beginning of my coaching journey where now I've done thousands of them and recommend it to everyone, every executive or anybody that's listening to this podcast, all of us can use uh, a linguistic chiropractic adjustment from time to time and uh, have 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 an opportunity to just check in, check in about who we are, what we are, what are the principles, what are the values, what are the 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 beliefs that we've been carrying that govern our lives, and let's just check in and make sure that they're still relevant, that we didn't inherit them from people that we don't really actually value anymore, they're outdated. Get really clear about who we are and what we stand for, and then let's go test that. Let's go let's go talk to people in our lives to give us feedback. And what we talk about in my coaching clients is that language is either in the on position or the off position. And we want to switch our switches from the off position to the on. And this communication audit definitely gives us a chance to a get access to our blind spots, be able to then recognize that they're there and then choose powerfully uh, to switch them from a, a negative place to a place that's serving us better. It, it's 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 the gap between our own perception of ourselves and others' perceptions of us. That is what it is what it, uh, it sounds like. And uh, that that quote from the CEO of Coca of uh, Coca Cola that uh, the ability of one to succeed is in direct proportion uh, uh, with their ability to ask for help. I, I put that in a, a, a nonprofit radio sizzle reel, uh, kind of a teaser reel, because I, I think it's such a simple bit of wisdom. Uh, and it was gleaned from your hundreds of interviews on the, in the VW microbus journey, which, is, uh, which we talked about a couple of months ago, and which, of course, is chronicled in the film, The Journey. Uh, so I, that, that bit of wisdom has stayed with me since we first met in 2000 whatever it was 10 or 11 or something like something like that um the ability of the ability to ask for help not uh, it's, you know as a as a as an entrepreneur it, it helped me you know i i i have been able to to make things in the world that essentially i'm not supposed to have made them because i don't have the the skills to do it. And I think that's what prevents so many people from accomplishing uh, is that people wake up one morning and say, I'm going to, I'm compelled and I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to eradicate this injustice. I'm going to go write this book. I'm going to make this movie. I'm, I'm going to go do something really extraordinary. And after the initial buzz of making that declaration, they go, tell some of their community about it. And then their community uh, out of love says, oh, you want to do that thing? Well, did you study that? No. Oh, then you probably can't do that. Or, you know, do you have a bunch of money? No. 
you probably can't do that. And, you know, for my my I studied speech communication and I was telling people I was going to make a film and they're like, well, did you go to film school? No. Oh, well, then you can't make a movie then. And so there's a lot of people that will put a lot of doubt uh, and insecurity in somebody's vision because their their credentials or at the time that they're talking about it doesn't match what it is that they want to make. And this idea of asking for help is just it's it's a bright light in a dark world. It just it's a it's a it's a compass that 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 gives somebody a chance to 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 move from one place to the next. And that is that I, I was able to make a movie and not only make a movie, I was lucky to make an award winning film that that has touched and inspired millions of people around the world. And because I was willing to ask for help, that was the only reason why it happened. I I had a, a good vision. I, I knew my story. I was willing to do the work. And the only way to make a movie at that time for me was to enroll Disney and to enroll Billy Crystal and Roland Joffe, who's an Academy Award winning director, took me under his wing and advised me. And Henry Winkler, you know, the great actor and uh, Fonz and producer and director I had. And, and um, Michael Greer, who's an award winning editor, edited the film. And so many people helped me make it into an awesome film. I'm. I'm just one one guy, but it took a whole village uh, to make it happen. And if I wasn't willing to ask for help, it would have never happened. And so that's why I think it's so profound is that anything you and I and, and the listeners we, we want to create in our lives, it really comes down to having a clear vision of what it is we want and then go seek out people wiser and smarter uh, and ask for help. And I, I, I've discovered that that um, people want to help people find value and joy and their life's purpose gets illuminated when there's uh, an opportunity for them to contribute and help another. Eric Zapperston is a keynote speaker, leadership and communication coach. He's got that award-winning film, The Journey. You'll find it all at Eric Zapperston. Dot com. Eric, I thank you very much again. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Dude, a rising tide lifts all boats, Tony. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here on your show. It's a privilege to be your friend and to know you all these years. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, we get to stay connected uh, uh, and, and, uh, and, and keep, um, keep popping back into each other's life. Genuine pleasure. Indeed. Thank you very much, Eric. Next week, inflection points in your nonprofit's growth with Brooke Ritchie Babbage. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>